All right, guys, this is the Christian Fellowship Guild podcast show. This is the weekend show, February 8th and 9th, 2020. Welcome, everyone. Today's devotional is titled Spiritual Bookmarks, Birthmarks, excuse me. Uh, and it focuses on 1 John chapter 4, verses 13 through 15, which say, This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. Have you ever heard about the spiritual birthmarks of a Christ follower? About what attitudes and actions are to distinguish the believer from the unbeliever? The Apostle John was aware of the distinctive characteristics of people who truly belong to Jesus. One trait is love. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. A second trait of believers is the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. God has given us his Spirit, and his Holy Spirit confirms for us that we belong to him. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. John spoke of a personal witness of Jesus because he had seen and touched the Lord. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. As Christ followers, we can also testify to knowing Jesus personally because of his presence in our lives. We can personally attest to his love because he has poured it out on our hearts by his Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 5, verse 5. We can also personally speak of the change he has brought to our hearts. He has changed our sinful choices and given us instead a desire for spiritual things that didn't exist until we began abiding in him. Until we began trusting in his sacrificial death on the cross for our sins and in his glorious resurrection. Today our life is a testimony to his claims, for if we abide in him, his nature will indeed shine through us. Lord, thank you for your love and your spirit, our spiritual birthmarks. Use them, use me, to testify to your glory and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So, a um, bit of commentary on the previous scripture, 1 John chapter 4, uh, verses 13 through 15. I'm not exactly sure who I got the commentary from, but it says, The Spirit of God is the Spirit of love. He that does not love the image of God in his people has no saving knowledge of God, for it is God's nature to be kind and to give happiness. The law of God is love, and all would have been perfectly happy had all obeyed it. The provision of the gospel for the forgiveness of sin and the salvation of sinners consistently with God's glory and justice shows that God is love. Mystery and darkness rest upon many things, yet God has so shown himself to be love that we cannot come short of eternal happiness unless through unbelief and impenitence. Although strict justice would condemn us to hopeless misery because we break our creator's laws. None of our words or thoughts can do justice to the free, astonishing love of a holy God towards sinners who could not profit or harm him, whom he might just, justly crush in a moment, and whose deserving of his vengeance was shown in the method by which they were saved. Though he could by his almighty word have created other worlds with more perfect beings, if he had seen fit. Search we the whole universe for love in most glorious displays. It is to be found in the person and the cross of Christ. Does love exist between God and sinners? Here was, here was the origin. Not that we loved God, but that he, that he freely loved us. His love could not be designed to the fruitless upon us. 
and when its proper end and issue were gained and produced, it may be said to be perfected. So faith is perfected by its works. Thus it will, will appear that God dwells in us by his new creating spirit. A loving Christian is the perfect Christian. Set him to any good duty, and he is perfect to it. He is expert at it. Love oils the wheels of his affections and sets him on that which is helpful to his brethren. A man that goes about a business with ill will always does it badly. That God dwells in us and we in him were ter words too high for mortals to use, had not God put them before us. But how many may it be known whether this test the testimony to this does pr proceed from the Holy Ghost? Those who are truly persuaded that they are the sons of God cannot but call him Abba Father. From love to him, they hate sin and whatever disagrees with his will, and they have a sound and a hearty desire to do his will. Such testimony is the testimony of the Holy Ghost. The couple's devotions title is happiness is dot dot dot. The scripture is Psalm chapter 1 verses 1 through 6, which state, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But those, but whose delight it is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that blow, the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. The devotional goes on to say, Eight men were once traveling together, and each related his experience in reply to the question, Are you fully happy? A banker said he had acquired a fortune, which was invested securely. He had a lovely and devoted family. Yet the thought that he must leave them all forever cast a funeral pall over the declining years of his life. A military officer said that he had known glory and the intoxication of triumph. But after the battle, he passed over the field and found a brother officer dying. He tried to relieve him, but the dying man said, Thank you, but it's too late. We must all die. Think about it. Think about it. This scene gripped the officer, and he could find no deliverance from it. So he confessed his unhappiness. A diplomat spoke of honors and gratitude showered upon him during a long and successful career, yet confessed an emptiness of the heart, a secret malady which all his honors could not cure. A poet told of the pleasures he enjoyed with the muses, of the applause of the people, of his fame, which he was assured was immortal. But dissatisfied, he cried out, What is such an immortality? And declared his unsatisfied longing for a higher immortality. A man of the world said that, it, said that his effort had been to laugh at everything, to look at the bright side of things and be happy, to find pleasure in the ballroom, theater, and other amusements, yet he confessed that he was sometimes melancholy and was far from perfectly happy. A lawyer said he had health, wealth, reputation, and a good marriage, and that during his career he longed for just what he now possessed, but he did not find the expected enjoyment in it, and contentment was not his heritage. His hours were long, and his existence monotonous. He was not fully happy. A religious professor, a ritualist, professed his strict adherence to the doctrines of the gospel and his punctual performance of religious duties without being happy at all. 
Christian physician related his vain search for happiness in the world and in his profession. But then he had been led by scripture to see himself a sinner and to look to Christ as his savior. Since that time, he found peace, contentment, and joy, and had no fear of the end, which to him was only the beginning. One of a couple's true quests of life is learning how to be happy. Everywhere we look, people are searching for their happiness by the job they have, the homes they live in, the toys they play with, the food they eat, and the vacations they take. At the end of each of these things, we are supposed to find this magic thing called happiness. But to our amazement, when we finally arrive at this great destination, we often find that happiness has moved and left no forwarding address. A poet once said, happiness is much more equally divided than some of us imagine. One man shall possess most of the materials, but little of the thing. Another man possesses much of the thing, but very few of the materials. This tension is one of life's greatest struggles. How do we balance between things and happiness? In today's passage, we concentrate on three areas of this profile. One, what to avoid. Two, what to concentrate on. And three, what a happy person is like. First, what to avoid. David warns us not to take advice from the wrong people. Paul, likewise, in Romans chapter 3, verse 4 states, Let God be true and every man a liar. The world system is trying to whittle away at our value system and make us conform to the world's way of thinking. As a couple, be true to each other and seek wise counsel. The magazines, television, radio, and movies don't speak with godly wisdom. It's amazing how often I hear people express how they came to a certain conclusion at a fork in the road of life. Turn to scripture instead, plus wise Christian counsel. This passage also tells us not to go along with what sinners do, but to hang around with those who criticize and make fun of others. The bottom line is to have quality friends, friends that have good character qualities and can provide good wisdom in their speech. What to concentrate on. Psalms chapter 1 verse 2 says we are to delight in the law of the Lord and to meditate on his law day and night. Concentration is one area of life that we have difficulty accomplishing. We have become so brainwashed by our media that all episodes of life are narrowed to a 30-minute time slot. Our evening news readers give sound bites to the event, usually highlighting, highlighting those bites to reinforce the political persuasion of the station. Two areas of emphasis are to delight and meditate. Do we find ourselves going to, to going to scripture with delight, and are we able to chew on it all day long? If we would approach scripture each day in this way, we would see wonderful changes take place in our lives. Our families would be changed along with our churches, communities, and nation. Third, what a happy person is like. David writes in verse 3 that our lives can become like a tree that is firmly planted in a place where there is a lot of water and that has leaves which stay fresh and green even in the heat and fruit which grows abundantly. What kind of tree are you today? I'm a young tree growing, but not really established. Or, my leaves tend to dry up in times of heat and stress. Or, I'm a tree with no leaves and no fruit. Or, I thought my roots were pretty deep, but a recent storm nearly blew me over. Or, I'm seeing more and more good fruit appear in my life. Or, I wish I had more leaves to protect people from the heat. Finally, I'm like a tree that's just a little too far away from the water, feeling a little dry. The Christian doctor in our opening story shared that he had been led by scripture to see himself as a sinner and to look to Christ as his savior. Since that time, he found peace, contentment, and joy, and had no fear of the end, which to him was but the beginning. Let's pray. 
Father God, as a couple, we want to be happy in the Lord. We earnestly desire to have a balance between the things of life and a desire to be anchored to you by planting our trees by the streams of water so that we can yield fruit in the season. We want our leaves to be healthy and not to wither during the hot seasons of life. Bring us into fellowship with godly couples, those who can build us up in the Lord. We give you relationships and want you to guide us in right friendships. Amen. Some action points here. As a couple, evaluate, evaluate your friends. Are they helpful or harmful to you as a couple? Second, continue to solidify those relationships which build you up and gradually separate yourselves from unhealthy relationships. Third, individually write in your journal an accurate description of the kind of tree that your life is like right now. Finally, what changes can be made to make your tree healthier? We also have some commentary on the original verses, which were Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. And it goes on to say, The ungodly are the reverse of the righteous, both in character and condition. The ungodly are not so. They are led by the counsel of the wicked in the way of sinners to the seat of the scornful. They have no delight in the law of God. They bring forth no fruit but what is evil. The righteous are like useful, fruitful trees. The ungodly are like the chaff which the wind drives away. The dust which the owner of the floor desires to have driven away as not being of any use. They are of no worth in God's account, how highly soever they, they may value themselves. They are easily driven to and fro by every wind of temptation. The chaff may be for a while among the wheat, but he is coming whose fan is in his hand and who will thoroughly purge his floor. Those that, by their own sin and folly, make themselves as chaff, will be found so before the whirlwind and fire of divine wrath. The doom of the ungodly is fixed, but whenever the sinner becomes sensible of this guilt and misery, he may be admitted into the company of the righteous by Christ the living way, and become in Christ a new creature. He has new desires, new pleasures, hopes, fears, sorrows, companions, and employments. His thoughts, words, and actions are changed. He enters on a new state and bears a new character. Behold, all things are become new by divine grace, which changes his soul into the image of the Redeemer. How different the character and the and end of the ungodly. And we have some further reading. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to dest destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And at the end of the devotional, we usually have a poem, but not always. Uh, this one's by, and I might mess up the name, Madeline Engel. Uh, says, We don't become holy by acquiring merit badges and brownie points. It has nothing to do with virtue or job descriptions or morality. It is nothing we can do in this do-it-yourself world. It is a gift, sheer gift, waiting there to be recognized and received. We do not have to be qualified to be holy. And the question of the day 
now it probably won't load, is what happens after death. And it says, and this is from gutquestions.org, it seems to be a pretty good place to, to get answers. And um, I think they have daily questions, uh, weekly questions, and I think they have some, some FAQ, like frequently asked questions areas on the webpage. Anyways, uh, the answer to the question of what happens after death. Within the Christian faith, there is a significant amount of confusion regarding what happens after death. Some hold that after death, everyone, quote, sleeps until the final judgment, after which everyone will be sent to heaven or hell. Others believe that at the moment of death, people are instantly judged and sent to their eternal destinations. Still others claim that when people die, their souls slash spirits are sent to a, quote, temporary heaven or hell to await the final resurrection, the final judgment, and then the finality of their eternal destination. So what exactly does the Bible say happens after death? First, for the believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible tells, it, tells us that after death, believers' soul slash spirit are taken to heaven because their sins are forgiven by having received Christ as Savior. For believers, death is to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. However, passages such as 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 50 through 54 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 through 17 describe believers being resurrected and given glorified bodies. If believers go to be with Christ immediately after death, what is the purpose of this resurrection? It seems that while the soul or spirit of believers go to be with Christ immediately after death, the physical body remains in the grave, quote, sleeping. At the resurrection of believers, the physical body is resurrected glorified, and then reunited with the soul-slash-spirit. This reunited and glorified body-soul-spirit will be the possession of believers for eternity in the new heaven and the new earth. Second, for those who do not receive Jesus Christ as Savior, death means everlasting punishment. However, similar to the destiny of believers, unbelievers also seem to be sent immediately to a temporary holding place to await their final resurrection, judgment, and eternal destiny. Luke chapter 16 verses 22 and 23 describes a rich man being tormented immediately after death. Revelation chapter 20 verses 11 through 15 describes all the unbelieving dead being resurrected, judged at the great white throne, and then being cast into the lake of fire. Unbelievers then are not sent to hell immediately after death, but are rather in a temporary realm of judgment and condemnation. However, even though unbelievers are not instantly sent to the lake of fire, their immediate fate after death is not a pleasant one. The rich man cried out, I am in agony in this fire. Therefore, after death, a person resides in a temporary heaven or hell. After this temporary realm, at the final resurrection, a person's eternal destiny will not change. The precise location of that eternal destiny is what changes. Believers will ultimately be granted entrance into the new heavens and new earth. Unbelievers will be ultimately be sent to the lake of fire. These are the final eternal destinations of all people based entirely on whether or not they had trusted Jesus Christ alone for salvation. So I'm hoping that you guys are getting something from the episodes. I know I've still got a pretty low viewer count, but I pray that you know you guys will find the courage to maybe share uh, the link on your own personal social media pages, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Um, and I appreciate appreciate everybody listening. And I hope you guys have a good weekend. See you later.